So this evening's Dharma talk is titled, When Concepts Float. And this, I'm using this particular image or metaphor to be able to talk about how to uh, relate to conceptual mind, to, and also how to relate to discipline in general and forms as we observe them. Anything that has some kind of a structure to it, whether it's uh, in our daily life structure, setting a time, having a time to meditate and a time to end meditation through using a form, uh, for instance, uh, striking a bell and sitting for a while and then striking the bell again. So making it very solid using uh, sense fields other than just the conceptual mind uh, to as a marker for that. So the idea there is that through that the concepts and, uh, and ideas that gather together as um, what uh, uh, opinions, um, uh, structures, even the precepts uh, could be observed. And they are observed more, I would say, correctly if we have a lot of awareness around them so that they are allowed to, you could say, float so that we can, rather than just clamping down on them and kind of suffocating the awareness or sinking the awareness or drowning the awareness with, a, with an array of ideas and concepts and opinions and analyses and so on, even though the analysis or the opinions are, is, uh, aren't, uh, they may be relatively correct. They may be very close to being relatively correct. So, but the idea there is that, as Nagarjuna said in the, a couple thousand years ago, in his praise of Dharmadhatu, that referred to our difficulty as being in the cage of our afflictions. We don't see the, uh, the afflictions. We don't see the passion, aggression, and ignorance, the hope and fear that is locking up our wisdom mind in a kind of um, jail or prison or cage of hope and fear and so on. How, what do we do with that? If you struggle with it, the cage gets more intense, more gets stronger, more bars, more um, concertina wire, and so on. More, more difficulty, more suffering to struggle with that. So the path of uh, awareness, the path of meditation, as has been taught down through the centuries in our uh, lineage, um, in, our, in uh, Soto Zen, it's called Shikantaza, or just precisely this, very simplest form of meditation of sit down, hold still, and observe, what continues to shift, move, and shut down, open up, and so on. Lots of ways to do this. But it seems to be necessary to do it through awareness rather than concepts. That being said, we don't want to leave out the concepts. We don't. We need the concepts, uh, as the Buddha taught, through concepts. Um, life is suffering um, because is, uh, we want something else. And uh, the goal is uh, the cessation of that situation, which comes through the practice of the, the Noble Eightfold Path or in, in the way we relate to it, or I teach it, uh, Shila Samadhi and Prajna, or discipline, um, you could say morality, and uh, Samadhi, or meditation, and uh, uh, Prajna, or wisdom, or Shnana. Uh, so the image of floating, what is meant uh, What is meant by using that image is, is so that you can, through the awareness, you can see uh, through your uh, openness, and your fearlessness and your 
inclusiveness, you're able to see the way in which your um, self-centered mind, ego mind, the seventh consciousness wants to shut down, control, get some kind of artificial or temporary or relative security. Uh, fundamentally, there there really is no ultimate security, as I'm sure you have noticed. So all productions, anything that is produced is, uh, if it comes up, it's going to go away. It's just a matter of tick, tick, tick. It's going to go away. It's going to go into something else. It won't re retain its original form for uh, indefinitely. It can, and, and it cannot be stopped or turned to ice or granite. It will come apart. If it's been produced, it will get reduced into um, some form of energy. So the idea here is to um, function with the concepts, with the ideas, with the thinking process in such a way that we're more and more aware and clear about what those those concepts, those ideas, those opinions, those constructs, those precepts, anything that takes on some kind of form or structure, what those fundamentally are and how they fundament, fundamentally uh, help us. When we start to treat them as rules or laws or commandments or something like that, it's not that those don't have some efficacy, but they are circular and uh, they leave out, the, they cover up, they shrink um, the wisdom mind. Fundamentally, you can't shrink the wisdom mind, but you can certainly turn away from it, ignore it, shut down and uh, go into some kind of uh, uh, hideout or cocoon of some kind hiding out from things. So it's not a matter of, of obeying them, even though you may see in where, uh, a way in which they're, they're correct, and we should do that. Like the first uh, grave precept is, precept is don't take life. And also the acknowledgement there, as I understand it, is if you're, if you're alive, you're going to take, you're, something's going to have to, to uh, give up its uh, aliveness in order to keep you going. And we can have a discussion about that if you have questions on that. But um, and then any kind of a, a explanation that follows that is probably more of a cover up. So stay in the open dimension. If you're there, if you find yourself lost, this is ego that knows this is happening. That's that's who's afraid. The self-centeredness is afraid. Find out who you are fundamentally, because who are you, who you are fundamentally, though there may, may there may be some fear come, there may be some trepidation, of course. You're in a human form. You have sense fields and so on. So there's going to be some of that, but it'll be a very simple form of insecurity or wondering what's happening next rather than some kind of ultimate anxiety or paranoia of which uh, is uh, very difficult to uh, relate to without some kind of, a, of an awareness practice, spiritual path in this case. Shoka has a question. Yes, certainly, Shoka. He asks, um, the title of the talk is when concepts float. Yes. The question is, when do concepts sink? So I see you're uh, following my metaphor in a way that irritates me. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> so um, that's a good question, actually. I would think, uh, I would think they, they begin to sink when we don't understand their meaning or their structure. And if they do sink, they're quite often replaced by something else, right away, some other kind of um, some other kind of attachment or some other kind of understanding uh, that probably also has a strong relative dynamic to it. 
So they they might sink when you see that your the concept about something was is really not not particularly appropriate. And rather than just letting letting it letting it sink, we might want to replace it with something right away. Well, that's because of this. Uh, uh, well, the reason that doesn't work is because uh, we immediately instead of just staying in the open dimension that was cleared up by that sinking, instead of just observing the movement, the sinking, uh, instead we take it personally. We we get embarrassed because what we were just saying has been proven wrong. The concept is being sunk by somebody else's battleship. So when the concept, to, to use a concept like, uh, for instance, a strong uh, form would be uh, the practice at the monastery. of uh, We have the Han and Bell. We, we have 108 bells that we ring in the morning uh, following the, tra- the Chinese tradition. And then we have the, the Han and bell or the, the wooden fish striking the wooden fish in a certain sequence and ringing the bell on a certain sequence 15 minutes before the morning uh, um, sutra chanting, morning service, done a certain way. And so uh, that is about awareness practice and to be able to observe how that arises for oneself and for the community. If you're anywhere in the monastery uh, proper, in that building, you you probably hear those signals, and so those are forms to be observed, uh, not obeyed. That, uh, but if you're if you're in the monastery, and you're a resident there, then you would need to participate in that as it is uh, assigned or agreed to that you are going to be there to to conduct that particular form for the benefit of other residents. Junshu has a question. Yes. You talked about concepts and structures. Is natural hierarchy a conceptual structure that aren't conceptual? Well, uh, various kinds of structures that in order to understand them, we may have to apply concepts to them uh, because uh, just being aware aware of it, we we might uh, just understand the way it's displayed, but we might not understand it in its... uh, what that is in terms of a mechanism. So I'm not sure if that's what you're asking. If you have a specific uh, question about it, would be good. Uh, you? Yeah. Um, has a question while she's yes, go ahead. addressing that. Jiuzan. She, uh, he asks, is the natural state of a concept to float? Hmm. Nice one. Uh, yes. Would be. Because it's not in the service of... Uh, Success and failure. It's just it's just a concept about something. So it has no particular there's no politics happening there of success and failure. Uh, the the only politics that would be there if there were something of that nature, then it would be uh, dependent origination. So what is moving this way and moving that way? When the wind moves or when the wind blows, the trees bend. And when this wind stops, the trees stand upright again. Same thing with uh, when the sun comes out, plants grow. It's dependent origination. Things are interdependently connected to each other, as is pretty obvious. But that's also true with us in our life, in our consciousness, uh, whether it's a shallow kind of consciousness that's just looking across the room or deeper consciousness that uh, functions on uh, countless levels. So in that situation, to one, uh, to a person who is no longer at war with anything, no longer at peace with anything, no longer has positions relative to the otherness of apparent uh, relative truth. They don't see other. If you see other, then, and you're on the spiritual path, then that's, that's what you need to work with. 
with the help of uh, the teacher, the teaching, and the community. Not a belief system. It's uh, awareness. Awareness. And you're bowing concepts a description of emptiness? If you see they're floating, yes. Yeah, if you see every, everything you see has its own, uh, the very uh, interdependence, which sound to ego mind sounds like everything's connected. In fact, we hear people say that, well, we're all connected. And just it's uh, when, you, when someone says that this is what they're doing, they're buying into the concept of everything connected. But if you stay, see the way things actually are, you're not covering up your eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, mind. Everything is uh, in is dependently arisen with everything else. So there's no longer a, a, an individual who is uh, he, she, they are in some kind of a, a position of uh, authority or a position of submission. Jessica from Whitmore Lake has a question. Jessica. She asks, how do we stay in an open dimension while working with concepts and thoughts? Stop trying to stay in it. If you think you're in an open d- dimension, you probably are not. This it might be a temporary state of mind that looks like that it's probably a creation of, a, a creation of the ego mind, kind of a, you know, made up paper mache emptiness, open dimension. Yeah. In order to see emptiness, you have to look at the most solid thing around, and it's probably your belief system or your hope and fear. Look at what is, seems to be so very solid. Muke uh, geko, the walls of the mind, as it says in the Heart Sutra. Without walls of the mind. How do you do that? You have to look at the walls. You can look at cotton candy, but you really need to look at the walls of the mind. And that's difficult. It takes time. It takes, uh, it takes a lot of time. I'm not saying this couldn't happen spontaneously in a couple of weeks for you, but it's unlikely. And if it happens, uh, shall we say it this way? If it happens too quickly without an understanding of what this is or without a structure, uh, concepts, which is a teaching, and without a community and without a teaching person, may be really difficult if suddenly your entire um, Ale Vijnana starts dumping on you right through the seventh consciousness and terrifies the hell out of you. If there's no one there, uh, then the terror is, might still be there. But it can't find anybody. It finds an empty house. It looks out the windows. It looks on the ground. It looks up the rain spouts. Nobody home. Where, what is terror going to do with no one to terrorize? It's quite humorous from no point of view. Brad from Indiana has a question. Yes, Brad. He asks, what are some ways that death shows up in daily life that we might consider? So sit down, face the wall, hold very still, and watch the way the thoughts are born and they die. They're just like living beings. They come into manifestation, a thought about raking the garden or getting the garden ready for spring. And then that that dies. And then we go to... Um, some errands we have to do later that day, or then possibly refret a little bit about the negative feelings we're having about a neighbor or, or our mate or our friends uh, that we thought were enemies. So everything is everything is changing. Uh, look at the most substantial thing that you can find, and it's it's going through change. It may be very subtle, but it's does not last. All products are impermanent. Anything is produced is impermanent and it will vanish. Shoto has a question. Good. He asks, do walls of the mind have a quality we can identify? Yeah, it's a really irritating feeling that you don't understand something. And yet you almost do, but not quite. 
and then you think you do, and you bring it before the teacher, and the teacher says, nope, keep practicing. So eventually the identity is not so much the walls of the mind uh, as having them go away. It's seeing what they actually are. No other questions at the moment? So initially the the way this uh, this floating quality might begin to show up for you personally in your practice, it may or may not, but this is one of the ways it can show up as uh, – as, as uh, a lot of insecurity around your practice or a lot of uh, uncertainty, uh, even though you've been practicing for months, maybe even years, there's still a quality of just more and more uncertain about what this is all about, why you're even doing this, why keep going. Uh, those are th- That's how it feels when the walls start to come apart. Something comes in, the, in to replace the wall, and it's uh, called fear. And if, if the... If the fear is seen to be unreal, then it doesn't serve very well as a a fill-in for what is coming apart, which are your ideas, your preconceptions, your understanding, your belief in life and death, your belief belief that you can win, or your belief that you can lose fabrications. They come apart. Both Shodol and um, Jiuzan asked that same question, what actually are walls of the mind? Two people asked the same thing? Yeah. Well, they're... They're walls in the mind, or they are walls of the mind, which the mind makes up its own walls and then blames somebody or blames something else. You could say it that way. It's basically just opinions, ideas, concepts, beliefs. And you know what a belief is? A belief is something that you think is true that you've never examined. You just think it's true. And one of them, the most powerful one, is a mistaken identity. You think you are somebody because you have such a strong identity uh, with the body. It's not that you are going to come to a state where you no longer feel any pain. Sure, you have nerve endings are connected with the consciousness. Of course, you're going to have discomfort and pain. But the suffering is extra. The actual uh, trying to get rid of something, trying to struggle, trying to get to some other kind of a realm, that's extra. Shisho has a question from Houston. Yes. Is there a way to differentiate between a concept and the bare awareness of the concept? So I, the way it sounds, uh, it sounds like what you're asking is if you're wrapped up in the concept and you're just kind of promoting that or tugging on it or you're kind of at the mercy of the concept. And then uh, the other way was uh, is you haven't gotten rid of the concept or the idea about something. But there's a lot more space around it, a lot more, you could say, breathing room or wiggle room. So you can see that the concept is just a big lump of something with a particular shape and with a particular pointed end and round end and holes in the center. And so you might say it's more the concept is more uh, suspect, shall we say, because from the point of view of no point of view, which is what awareness is, it doesn't have a point of view. It can be pointed in that you're aware of your breath or you're aware of your kneecap. So it can be brought to a, a point, but it won't last. You can you can even try to hold it there as some, some forms of meditation or about contemplation or trying to look at something and solidify the awareness and sometimes called a resting in tranquility or calm abiding. You can do that if you wish. I've spent quite a bit of time doing that. Um, don't teach it. But I don't refute it either. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. Junchu has a question. She asks, can complacency be a wall of the mind? Yes. Complacency uh, as a a word describing a a particular 
style or attitude of mind would be uh, be a form of ignorance, just being ho hum. Who cares? It's not my problem. That those kind of a little additional post-it notes usually are, are uh, strung around it, even if the actual complacency itself doesn't have any solid quality to it. It's more like uh, silly putty. But we tend to solidify by because of this, or I don't really need to. Well, that's not really as important as this, or something. So some kind of complacency around. Um, I mean, sometimes there's complacency complacency around the burning house because it's what well, it's not our house. You know, they shouldn't have been playing with matches, or or I knew that house was going to burn down one of these days. Crazy, crazy, crazy people, crazy people over there. the different ways of uh, complacency showing up as being very accurate. She has a, a follow up question. Certainly. How does looking at a physical wall help us to see the mental walls? I think the idea behind uh, having a, the skills of all the sense objects, vision is the one that makes things look the most distant, the most far away. Uh, not that someone who uh, who does not have vision wouldn't have a strong uh, feeling of separation from things, but would probably do it through touch and through sound, uh, get their their solid feeling of me and my body situation. So I think looking at the wall, uh, looking at something that is not moving, with the, when that is open, since all of the sense fields are happening with the same body-mind complex, the same sensorium, um, then when one is uh, shut down, the other, for instance, if the eyes are closed, then all the other, other senses that seem kind of, kind of uh, resonate with that, they all kind of close down also. That's why it's quite a bit easier to do uh, sitting meditation with the eyes closed. It's much more comfortable. It's much closer to sleep. And it is it is softer. It, there is a resting and tranquility happening there. But if the eyes are open, it uh, might be a little bit more difficult because all of the other senses are also opened up in the same and are more on receive, on receiving whatever that object is, sound, smell, taste, touch, thinking, uh, seeing, so sit down, hold still, and have the eyes open and look at the wall. Uh, the senses are open, but there's nothing much happening there to uh, take us on a little trip or start up a, a story. So therefore, the stories that we've been hiding out from, the ideas, the thoughts, various things that have been kind of pushed down, uh, eventually start to surface and come up. And, and wh- what do we do with them? Just observe them. Don't shut them down. Don't necessarily uh, fluff them up, do nothing, add nothing to them if you can. And the sitting practice might initially is going to be about how much you keep struggling with it, how much uh, certain thoughts and ideas are just aggravating or scary or or don't seem to have a source, but they have an emotional uh, overflow on them that you can't actually tell what you're even thinking about. You just know it feels really bad. And what do we do with that? Observe, just receive. And in this way, train your mind to see clearly rather than go to war with anything. Jason asks, what are concepts made of? Mouse hairs. Well, unless they're rats. I have no idea. (laughs) As far as they're made of, they're made of uh, consciousness. Uh, This is made of consciousness. This is made of consciousness. Consciousness only. It's just... Some forms of consciousness are completely congealed into an apparent situation that doesn't have much movability from our relative point of view, which is quite a bit of motion. But a rock, it may be very slow, but it's, it's nothing lasts. Anything that's been produced 
is impermanent. It might have a, a life of a million years. It might have a life of 30 seconds. But from the point of view of impermanence, it's still impermanent. Kozan has a question. Yeah. Yes. She asks, will you describe the metaphor again, how floating works with concepts? So my, my it's kind of, a, it might might be a good metaphor. It might be a good image. I don't know. It's, it's It rose for me because that's how it looks. Is if uh, you don't have to do away with the concepts, you don't have to buy them, you don't have to sell them, and you don't have to shut down on them. But if you, if you, uh, I'm going to say it this way: if you just flood the your whole uh, mind stream uh, with just awareness, just receive, just receive whatever's coming, receive it. Be generous. Give everything your attention. The sharp points, the dull points, the hot spots, the cold spots, all the polarities. Stop picking and choosing. And you, how do you start? How do you do that? You start by noticing the way the self-centered mind continually picks and chooses, continually it goes to right and wrong. Everyone does that a little bit. Notice how you think some things are right and some things are wrong. And it's not that some things aren't maybe more accurate and some things are less accurate, or some things are more aligned with the form that was set up and some things are less. It's the emotional dynamic that trails right behind that. So just point out to point out. Uh, this from that is not such a problem. It's when we think some things are more right than others. The ego mind, the self-centered mind, feeds off from that rightness and wrongness. And it, it feeds off from wrong or incorrect as much as it feeds off from right or correct. It wants polarity and it wants uh, enlightenment and it doesn't want anybody else to attain enlightenment. It wants to attain enlightenment. How do I know? It's true here. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know it. I wouldn't know about it unless I... Uh, I'm not separate from that. Not separate. You don't have to abandon anything. If you abandon devils, they're going to track you down. You know what I'm saying by that metaphor. And if you don't, ask questions. Make sure they're good ones. Don from Virginia has... As opposed to bad ones. (laughs) I don't like bad questions. Go ahead, Don. We'll see if this is a good one or a bad one. (laughs) (laughs) He asks, how do we examine concepts without circularity? Just observe the circularity. You don't have to get rid of the circularity. You don't have to get rid of anything. There's, there's no, everything is welcome. It's just that you need to, if you're asking me, you need to see the circles. If you watch the circles and watch the way when you enter into a situation, uh, you are stepping on a, um, a tilt-a-whirl or a Ferris wheel or a merry-go-round or um, cyclone and just notice the, the circularity of it. You don't have to push on it, shut it down, turn it off. Don't fiddle with it. Respect the, the motion of the mind by just observing. Things, some things will go in circles for a while. Sometimes they'll go the other way. And then you'll have the, the, the commentary in the mind will say, well, I think it's backing up. I think it's going away. Don't conclude. No commentary. I'm not saying you can't have commentaries on things. Of course, you're going to comment on this, comment on that. Sure, everyday life is going to go on. But the fundamental mind training that is happening is just to observe, see what this is for yourself so you have no doubts about it. This is called the torch of certainty. And it's not certain as opposed to be being uncertain. It's just brilliant. And it's um, and there are no shadows left. Jessica has another question. Yes. What do you mean by the Alia Vijnana dumping on you? Alia Vijnana is full of muskrats, beavers, other kinds of vermin, <laughs> and also angels and diamonds. 
and uh, Rinso Blue. Remember that? Oh, you're probably not old enough. <laughs> that was a soap from the 1940s and 50s. Mark will remember. So it's filled with everything. Everything is available. Everything is available. And this gets triggered by the operation that we're going through right now in this uh, so-called current time. And so uh, you get dumped on by that. It will all try to come out of the out of hiding at once, and it can be difficult. So good idea to train your mind. Go slow. Take your time. Maybe you'll awaken. Maybe you won't, as Nagarjuna has said in the uh, first century of the uh, common era. Um, Millie M. from Interlochen asked, do we create walls because we are still looking for a reason or someone to blame? That would be one description of it, Millie. And, and sometimes it's just sometimes it's just fear. We just we just don't want to look at it anymore. Some people enter the path and practice for a while and just think, eh, I don't know if I want to do this. It's not comfortable. And this is not wrong for them to go another direction. Maybe they need to. So as I often say, I don't have anything to sell. But if you're here and you give me permission, I will try to help you as you present yourself. That's that's how I'll help you, not with some kind of protocol about it. Kian has a question. Yes. He asks, with contact, is there a concept floating? Well, there could be, maybe a little bit, but contact can happen in any of the sense fields. So just if I look across the room, I see a, I see a painting on the wall. I see the color green. So, but I, I can also look at that without thinking green or this is a, a field of crows. So I can look at something as you can, Kiyun. You can look at something, see, see what, receive what it is without any addition to it. Like that's my painting or that's something someone else painted or that's of crows or that's a green paint and there's too much green paint, there's too little and all of the other things. You can actually look at something and just receive its basic nature. That's actually what you're training to do by looking at the wall. For a long time, you think you're looking at something else. It takes a while. It takes persistence, and it takes uh, a deep desire to uh, realize your fundamental nature, not believe in Buddhism. I have no interest in it. I don't even believe in Buddhism myself, nor do I disbelieve it, nor am I going to look away from it. The rest of my whatever life I have left is uh, devoted to it. I don't see any more questions at the moment. Okay. Oh, here's another one. Okay. This one is from Wendy. Wendy. Is what? the path ever comfortable? Probably not. But you're not too concerned with comfort. You know, that's uh, that's one of, of all the addictions. That's probably the one that goes the most, uh, or the least commentary on it. We just think, well, everybody wants to be comfortable. There's nothing wrong with that. We have kind of an addiction to that. And I'm not the first one to say that or comment on it. We have addiction to pleasure, to comfort, and so on. And we want it. Even, uh, what's his name, Wim Wenders? Wim Hof? <laughs> Not Wim Wenders. That's a different guy. He's kind of addicted to being cold. <laughs> and then he talks everybody else into it. And what it is, it's just extreme stimulation. And I'm not saying it doesn't have health benefits. I don't mean to go in that direction. But, but you know, any kind of polarity has its uh, magnetism. It's like uh, uh, the Marquis de Sade and uh, Satya Masak, who, were, who had the polarity of uh, the torturing uh, people, pain kind of situation. So you can get into any dynamic and have that be your bailiwick. That's the thing you're doing, and, and that's how you're deepening your uh, attachment to the body-mind complex. 
or thinking that you're separating yourself from it. So very interesting area. Further questions on that or any anything, just give me something here to work with. Otherwise, I've got to just repeat myself. Chisho has train another question. First, I want to say, drain your mind. He asks, I seem to be locked up in concepts. How should I practice such that my awareness is also not becoming another concept? So I think you're doing it. Uh, I, I think uh, the interesting thing is even though um, you're, you're always yourself, so other people might notice changes in you, but you may not. You may not notice any any conventional uh, change because the path to liberation is not, is not uh, just a, an accumulation of getting better and getting less this or less that or less conceptual or anything. And that's why, uh, that's why this person is here to tell you, uh, keep going. You're doing fine. There's nothing to improve, nothing to disprove, nothing to upset. And please don't get rid of your uh, wisdom hammer. Juzan has a question. When I pictured concepts floating, it was in the air. Shoka seemed to think of them as floating in water. Actually, it's in pudding, chocolate pudding. <laughs> He's wrong, right? Does it matter? He's wrong, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, let's see. Giazan, which one is fully ordained as a monk? Shoka? So, so far. Shoka. Well, then Giazan is not ordained yet, right? No. Yeah. Then you're right, Giazan. The monk is wrong. <laughs> So it's just the idea of floating, not to be uh, to be silly about it, but not be silly. It's just the idea that the it floats. So it, so even though it has a structure, it's like a like a, a raft uh, uh, on a uh, on a summer day in a rainstorm. A raft made of popsicle sticks floating down the gutter. Remember that? Uh, just like that. It's just it's it's solid. It has a structure, but it's moving. It's moving. It may it may hit something and tip over. It still has a structure to it. That meta- metaphor may not help you, but possibly there's another metaphor that you could invent yourself that would help you see that what has a solid structure still still uh, um, needs uh, to appear in consciousness. Consciousness doesn't appear. It doesn't come from somewhere. Things come into the consciousness and leave. They're, they're, it's called the, the host and the guest. The consciousness, you could say, is the host. And that which arises, the clouds, the thought patterns, the differentiation and desire that shows up there is the guest. Won't last. I could say to Wendy that the path, though it may, may not ever get comfortable, but you won't be too concerned about comfort. I mean, you, you'll notice if you're comfortable, you'll notice if you're not comfortable. But the picking, choosing about it is because you're you are very clear on uh, dependent origination on the way things show up. And uh, so you don't really, uh, shall we say it in this way, you don't really take anything personally. And then basically, because <laughs> there's anyone left to do that. I mean, you might like to take things personally, but won't hold up. There's no there's no uh, scales of justice in uh, in the Dharmadhatu, let alone the uh, Dharmakaya, Sambhogakaya, even Nirmanakaya, or any of those realms. Everything is... is uh, um, everything's without an inherent self. She has a question. Yes. Jinshu. What is the difference between complacency and not picking and choosing? Uh, complacency is uh, kind of shut down, so it can be complacent, so it's not confronted with 
selection. So it tends to shut things off that, you know, the, the brilliance of red and the, and the softness of blue. See, we can kind of see there, but we're no longer looking at those where we're kind of uh, clouded over. Whereas not picking and choosing is the, the blue is very, very blue and the red is extremely red and they're not fighting with each other. And we just receive that. We receive the blueness. We receive the blue sky. We say we, we receive the blazing fire and we don't, we don't pick and choose whatever's happening. Maybe one day the blue comes more blue, less fire. Another day the, the fire comes more fire, less blue. Be genuine. Live your life straightforward, a straightforward life where whatever occurs is, uh, no matter how it feels, is not an issue. It might, might need some tissue, but it's not an issue. Uh, Don has another question. Don. Are concepts the toys of consciousness? I, I think I'm seeing what you're referring to there, and maybe a little bit of that. There's more of a sense of humor around it, if that's what you're uh, inquiring about, or that's what you're pointing to. There's more of a uh, more of a sense of humor, a playful quality about it, possibly. But it's pretty difficult for that to be uh, happening all the time when one is confronted by the suffering all around of um, people who don't know what's even happening and they're afraid and confused. Pretty hard to just play with your toys. Jessica um, has a question. She asks, why is it harder to sit alone? Well, my experience uh, years ago has always felt like a waste of time. But if I was with a bunch of other people that are wasting their time, then at least uh, it's kind of like being a lemming. All these guys are wasting their time, so I guess I can waste my time too. I, guess, I think it just boils down, uh, Jessica, just to having company, to being supported by others. Sitting all by yourself is also very good. That's why I recommend on occasion strict solitary retreat. So you're totally by yourself. Can't blame anybody for anything. After eight or ten days, you pretty much realize that all the stuff you've been dealing with is your is your own creation. Whereas if you're constantly interacting with others, then it's much easier to have uh, take negative feelings and, uh, uh, as they say in the Tibetan tradition, shift uh, the cow's load to the ox. I think that was in Atisha's Seven Points of Mind Training, one of the slogan, one of the fifty nine slogans there. So do both: sit sit by yourself. Sit, sit with others. One of the valuable things about having this Zoom and uh, situation is you can actually you can come and see the monastery, see people meditating and uh, chanting sutras, um, coming and going off, making offerings to the altar in real time. You can actually look at that. So have a little bit of sense of being with others. Maybe not quite the same as being in the same room with 10 or 15 people that are meditating, but may help some. We have time for a final question. Final question, if you haven't. Chazan has a question. Chazan, go ahead. He asks, what is a straight take? I wind around a lot. Oh, this is from Senshu. What is, oh, Senshu. What is a straightforward life when it feels like I wind around a lot? Okay, the Senshu, this is only for you. The rest of you people, ignore what I'm about to say. This is only for Senshu. Senshu. <laughs> The winding around is a straight line. You don't have to change a thing. Just stop adding on your opinions about the winding around. It's the opinion, not the winding around. It's the, it's the opinion about the winding around. <laughs> don't add. Kiyun does have one more question. 
He asks, is it a misunderstanding to understand a concept? That sounds like a Kiyun question. <laughs> is it a misunderstanding to misunderstand? No, to understand. Is it an understanding to is misunderstand? It, is that what he said? Is it, is it, a, is it an understanding? Is it a misunderstanding to misunderstand? <laughs> to understand. Okay, Kiyun. Kiyun, you're going to have to speak clearly. I'm old. <laughs> uh, I would say no. No, uh, especially if you if you just see that that's, uh, there's some kind of differentiation that's happening there. It's only about awareness. There's no way you can be right, no way you can be wrong, but you can't use that uh, as a way of uh, uh, beating against samsara and get some happiness out of it. The, the happiness you're looking for uh, is there. It is just no more war, no more peace. Take no position on anything. So we dedicate the merit? Yes, we'll dedicate the merit. May the merit of this penetrate in so that we and every sentier can realize the Buddha's way. The ten directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect this temple monastery, our Sangha, family, friends, and visitors, and all that we love. Heal everyone who is sick and suffering and fill everyone with light. <laughs>